0: Now it's gardening talkback for our sponsor, Sharp City Gardener, New Home, Three Twenty Four Derby Street, Newcastle. Call now four nine two one six two one six.
1: It's gardening talkback on Two and New FM. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp. Scott. Nice to see you once again for the last of 2017. The last time this year. Hasn't it flown? It has flown. It has. I, I do wonder where it goes to now. It only feels like 12 months ago. It was January. I know.
2: And we were fresh and happy with each other. And, it's you know, the relationship sort of stales after a year, but... I think it's back on the up. But next year we'll just, you know, we'll regenerate and we'll be happy again with That's each right. other. Yeah.
1: A break for a while not yeah. seeing each other and we'll be like, oh, oh, how good is this? Oh, lovely. Oh, look, you again. <laughs> Scott Sharp, last for the year, what do you have for us?
2: Well, I thought uh, I would talk about frogs and a way to help save the frogs this month okay yeah cute little things i'd like it to rain i'm sure because it's pretty dry out there at the moment very dry uh it's christmas so let's talk about mistletoe and having a big old smooch underneath that rightio there's i don't think that's for everyone (laughs) i I wasn't puckering up to you then that's all okay (laughs) glad you didn't bring it and uh and we'll talk about of course christmas trees and what to do with them after the christmas period now scott you mentioned something a bit earlier about frogs Yes, they're usually cute and green, but they can be other colours as well, apparently. They're yeah, a bit slimy too, well, or sticky. Yeah, they are a bit sticky, aren't they? When, they, But they oh, just they do amazing things. They get through really small spaces as well. Okay. Yeah. It's, is that because they're amphibious, obviously? I don't know. It just must be their internal. Like, it must be able to sort of compact and, and go into They'd weird and wonderful around and stuff. Yeah, I, I remember as a kid, one of my sort of almost fondest memories... Um, Okay, this sounds a little bit morbid, but we were up at the crematorium. Yep. And uh, I think it might, we might have been visiting my grandmother at the time, but I had to go into the bathroom. And I was only a little kid, and there in the sink was this big green tree frog sort of just pulsating away, so I gave him a bit of a bath, and he was happy with that. <laughs> Is really, and so I've just loved frogs forevermore. And apparently, apparently, you know, they're the sign of a really nice, healthy ecosystem. Oh, all
1: right. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. So if you've got a
2: you know a nice, healthy backyard with insects and all the right things in there doing the right thing, you know, you're not you know spraying stuff around willy-nilly and you've got some frogs in there, well, you've got a good space. So keep an ear out for frogs. Yeah. So if they're croaking away at night, it's a good place to be. Right. Yeah. I didn't
1: know that.
2: But this month is actually National Frog Month. And what they've... Oh, we've talked about this. Frog
1: sember, so, I think it's called. Frog Semba, is it? Yeah, <laughs> Very good.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's better than crocuary. <laughs> <laughs> so they've actually got an app, and this is fantastic. So if you've got a nice smartphone... Of
1: course it has an app.
2: Of course it's got an app. You, but this is a good app. It's not just a mindless sort of play, silly game app, okay? Okay. This one's really, really clever. You download this app, and if you hear a frog in your backyard, you actually take your phone out near it. You don't try and catch the frog or anything like yep. that. You actually push a f- button on the phone it records the like a shazam sort of thing it records the sound of the frog yep and then it goes back to um amphibious central wherever that is amphibious hq yeah yep. and it knows it identifies what the frog is for you based on the croak based on the croak so then it gives you a nice picture of it how many there are etc 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 all sorts of good information about the frog and as well as that it then gives a, a signal down to this frog hq database yep And it says, it tells them where frogs are, so they can start to map frogs across the nation. Oh, excellent. So, an app just doing a good thing, it's just not taking away from people reading books and things like that. Yes. Yeah. Don't want theirs. No, no, no. But look, some apps are good, and this one sounds particularly good. So apparently, there's uh, 240 species of frogs uh, actually in decline in Australia. So that's going to be oh. a, a really um, you know bad thing if if they sort of go off. Uh, so yeah, look, if you uh, upload one of these apps, I'm just looking here very closely for the um, website, and I'm ah uh, there we go, Frog ID. So F R O G I D dot net dot a u. Right. And you can get this app onto your smartphone and start looking after the frogs in your area. a Good idea. It really is, isn't it? If everyone involved, kids would love it. Yeah, kids would love it. You're not actually harming the frog at all. You're not even trying to, you know, find it and, um, you know, hold it in your hand or anything like that. So, yeah, great thing to do. Excellent. Yeah.
1: Very good. We'll downloading it after the show. I'm sure you will be. <laughs> <laughs> now, Scott, a few weeks ago, you mentioned something about watermelons, and we never got a chance to do it because we were just bombarded with callers. Callers love being bombarded with callers. Exactly. Well, yes. Yes. (laughs) But you're still... We didn't get to mention Watermelon, so maybe now's a good time to to mention it yes it is a good time to mention it because i I guess
2: uh people's watermelons will be starting to ripen up uh you know fairly soon so if you've uh planted your watermelon seed or your little seedling uh usually it takes about 12 to 16 weeks after planting for that uh you know for that seed uh, and the uh the watermelon to actually mature and be ready to pick i'm just trying to do my maths here 12 weeks is about uh three months isn't it yep yep so, yes, it is. Yes, yes, it is. So if you planted your watermelon at the st- you know at the end of spring, you know September sort of time, getting ready, uh, I guess for it uh, to be uh, to be ripe enough to eat, um, and otherwise you know if you didn't plant it later on, it's just wait a little bit longer into January. And we, it wasn't really that warm at first, was it? As we went, no. no so it might, they mightn't have ripened up as. It's getting there now, though. It certainly is out there. It's quite sweaty out there. Yes, yes. Moist. Quite moist <laughs> out there. So yeah, it's, look, twelve to, 12 to uh, sixteen weeks is the is the time frame. So, I guess uh, look, if you're going to plant watermelons. Uh, you know, now you'd have to do it very, very soon, at least before the end of this year, because with that time frame, uh, you know, you're not going to get them ripe until sort of March or April again. Okay, yep. And it really requires the heat uh, to get them as ripe as possible. So if you are going to do it, do it very, very soon and uh, be prepared to wait uh, right through into, into March and April. Uh, so, uh, look, the harvesting tips for, for watermelons, they are quite easy to... Um, uh, to you know to pick when they're ripe people often come in and say how do we know when my watermelon's ripe and it uh it comes down to um you know when the underside of it where it's been sitting on the ground actually starts to change color from uh green to a very light yellow and the other thing you can do and you've probably done this in the shops mate i can see you yes yep you give it a bit of a wrap with the knuckles
1: i do actually to yes Google.
2: A little tough. Yep. Not too hard, not too hard. You're sort of not giving it an old king hit or anything like that, just a nice wrap. And
1: if you have that nice hollow sound with the watermelon, that means it's ripe to go as well. Okay. Can yeah. you try them just by dropping them onto the ground? Yeah, it doesn't work. <laughs> oh, then you And you do have to pay for them? You do have to pay for them and probably clean them up as well. Yeah, so it's always Some the... shopkeepers these,
2: these days. Oh, you know, green <laughs> How? what about it? So, look, yeah, the, as, as long as the... If you're growing them at home, as long as the underside has uh, started to go from, uh, you know, green to yellow and you give it a little bit of a wrap and uh, that's when it's ripe and ready to eat. Very good. Yeah. It is a summer fruit, the watermelon, isn't yeah, it? it? It certainly is, yeah, it really is, yeah. I heard, and I don't know if this is true, but it's one of actually the hardest uh, fruits to digest. Really? Yeah, and I couldn't believe that because I thought it was really just water and sugar yeah right and uh, I guess if there's some sort of uh, you know, gastroenterologist or someone out there you know, listening in they might be able to confirm or deny that for us I, you, I wouldn't think it would be unless you're actually eating the rind maybe no no apparently it's oh, well, we might even go to Dr Google after this and see what happens <laughs> see if it's true or not but yeah look I've heard that and I found it a little bit, uh, a little bit hard to believe as well but apparently
1: that's true Mm. And we will confirm it. They also make good hats for summer. Actually, they make bad hats for summer. Oh,
2: look, you see some kids down there at the cricket and some, you know, older people. I know they've probably uh, got a little bit enthusiastic as the day wears on, Um, you know, out in the heat and, you know, rehydrating. Uh, and then they wear their watermelon hats, but wouldn't it be sticky and hot to wear down there in the middle of, uh, in the middle of summer at the be. cricket? I thought
1: that'd be cool. I've never worn a watermelon as a hat, but I thought that'd be cool. But... Well, look, apparently it's the fashion uh, up your way, mate. I don't know why you're, uh, you're not doing it. <laughs> it's, it's not, it doesn't have to be summer for people to wear watermelons. Right, OK. We... <laughs> <laughs> Just all year round. As long as they haven't, like, hollowed out a lettuce or anything like that, that sort of flake away on you. It wouldn't be, no. as, it wouldn't be as exciting. No, it wouldn't be. It'd no, bl- no. Bl- blow away in the wind. It would, yeah. Mm. yeah. And we've got Dom from near Lampton, and Scott. He's got some problems with his tomatoes. That doesn't sound too good, Don. How can we help you, mate?
3: Hey, Scott. How are you? Yeah, pretty well. Uh, mate, I've got um, probably half a dozen tomato plants and planted reasonably close together, probably upwards of six hundred millimeters apart. One only uh, getting is getting. All the leaves are just going yellow, and it looks like the plant's dying. But it's only one tomato
2: in the whole lot. The rest seemed fairly healthy. Alright, look, so t- tomatoes... There are
3: different varieties of tomatoes.
2: Oh, okay, look, that that could be the issue in that case. Uh, look, tomatoes can get uh, fusarium wilt here in uh, Newcastle. And they can also get blights as well, which is a type of fungal diseases. What I would do, rather than pulling it out on first instance, is uh, go and get a, a fungicide of some sort. All right. Yeah, Usually the best one is to uh, use uh, copper, oxychloride or mancozeb plus. And mm-hmm. You spray those over the plant and they actually prov- uh, provide a coating uh, around the plant as well. Now look, these diseases can spread to other tomatoes. It may just be the one that you've got, uh, you know, is a little bit weak at the moment and it might spread onto those other ones later on as it becomes more humid as well. So the other thing to all do right. is, uh, once you've got this fungicide, to actually mix up a drench in the watering can. And just generally, you know, spray all the plants, do all, all of them. Don't be worried about that. And then all also right. just make up a, a drench and uh, water it around uh, the soil as well. And uh, and that will actually prevent uh, fungal spores from bouncing up onto the plant. Okay,
3: terrific. All okay. right. Uh, one other question, if I could. Yes, mate. I have a large, a very large elkhorn uh, type thing. Yes. which was given to me and it was uh, attached to a sheet of plywood but when I've taken the, the ropes off it's not attached at all, it just sits there. So <laughs> what I want to do is put it onto a log or a tree or something but do I need to break any of this old dead stuff off that's behind it or is it a pointless exercise or what should I do?
2: Yeah, that's really a pointless exercise. Really they start, you know, as the new growth winds around from the outside that's what it actually sort of hangs on with uh, like. So, look. The other thing you can do is, if you want to put mount it onto a new board or a log or something, actually get some heavy fencing wire and just like pierce it straight through the 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 elk horn or the or the uh, stag horn. And, right. and just pierce it through on either side and create a loop and you can actually wire it back onto the branch or, or to oh, okay. the tree that you want to put it onto. And,
3: and it will eventually attach to whatever we put it on. Yeah,
2: it will. So as the outside just keeps on growing, that fresh new growth will keep on right. spreading around and cling onto the tree for you. And,
3: and there's no need to break any of that old rubbish that's on behind it no,
2: away. look, you're probably nah, likely to right. do more damage that way, Don. All right. Okay, perfect. Okay, mate. Thanks, Scott. Thanks okay.
1: for the help. You have a nice afternoon okay. and uh,
2: have a nice Christmas as well.
1: And you, mate. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. bye We've got Sean now from Elmore Vale, and he's got a question about his citrus tree. What have you done to it, Sean?
4: Uh, well, uh, I've got an orange tree, yeah. and it hasn't been looking very healthy. Um, I started to cut one of the larger branches off that was looking pretty much it was dead. Um, and... It, like a large sort of moth thing flew out of the trunk that I was cutting through, so I was just wondering if there, that could be like responsible for the, uh, the dead branch, and like, is there anything else I can do
2: to it? So, maybe uh, down the middle of that branch, are there is there like a bore hole or anything in there that you can see? Oh, uh, there is, yeah, yeah, okay. So it sounds like you have had a bore go through it. Um, borers are like a little weevil They just tunnel down through the branches and they just destroy, you know, where the nutrients actually flowing up. Uh, you know, into, uh, up into the you know, upper branches and the leaves of the plant. So it just sort of disrupts that completely and the plant eventually dies and gets really sick. What were you using to cut it with,
4: mate? Chainsaw. Uh, oh, <laughs>
2: how'd you go with that?
4: Uh, yeah, quite good actually. There's not much left of the
2: tree actually. Oh, <laughs> so, so it's almost gone. Look, and that is the other yeah. thing you can do with a citrus tree. You can prune it very, very heavily, and they will spring back quite well. So, have you taken it out completely, yeah, mate, or you uh, you decided to stop at a certain point?
4: Uh, I decided to stop at a certain point. I was just like hoping that it might sort of revitalise, but I, I don't have much hope for it.
2: Okay, so how how far did you prune it back down?
4: Um, sort of uh, down to sort of shoulder height
2: oh yeah, okay, look, that, that should be alright and now tell me, the rest of the bark on the trunk, is that, you know, fairly cracked or is it uh, nice and fresh and intact?
4: Yeah, there was, um, like the section that I was cutting away, it was cracked uh, and when it, um, like it came down, there was like lots of powder underneath the
2: yeah. Okay. And underneath the
4: bark itself, as it's pulled
2: away. Yeah. Now you can get a product. It's called Prune. It's a, a tar-based paint. You can get it in an aerosol as well, uh, or you can just okay. get it in a, a little uh, sort of paint tin. And what you need to do is actually spray or you know paint over the wound of where you've cut the citrus down. That seals yeah. it up and stops anything else bad getting in there. And any other really large cracks in the bark on the on the trunk of the tree. Uh, you yeah. give those a spray or a paint as well, and it just seals it up, and it stops any pest and disease getting back in there. Uh, it just forms a really sort of uh, heavy barrier. That's all it's effectively doing. It's just a tar-based paint that will seal it up and stop anything bad getting back in there for you.
4: Okay,
1: fantastic.
2: Okay, not a worry, mate. You be careful with that chainsaw. I'll try to be.
1: Thanks very much. Okay, have cheers. A good Christmas. You too. Have a good afternoon. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. I thought Sean was going to say when you said how far he cut it down to the stump. That's the what stump, it <laughs> yeah. And then I, I
2: thought we might have had a bad news story about his, you know, his leg or his his hand or something like that. Chainsaws are very dangerous tools. Very dangerous, yeah, especially in the hands of the the young and the. Uh, yes, and the un- and the unwary, yes, yes, like
1: myself, I should not be allowed in a chainsaw. <laughs> no, 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 very bad things. <laughs> Anything sharp, actually, it's just it has to be padded edges. so <laughs> it's butter knives for you, and that's all. <laughs> it's a guarding talk back on Two and You If you've got a question for Scott Sharp, four nine two one six two one six, and we've got Bruce from Ellie Barner, and he's got a question about the lily pilly. Hey, Bruce, how can we help you? G'day, Scott.
5: Um, mate, I've I've got about five lily-pillies um, growing up along the side of uh, in a reserve that adjoins my house. Um, Something odd is happening. They start off, I've lost two of them already, um, they start off and the tree looks fairly healthy and just one little branch, the leaves will go brown and that seems to then spread um very slowly across the tree until eventually the whole tree is brown um and and dying basically um i've pumped water onto them um because i thought that might just been you know being a very very dry climate but there's one a little bit away from some of the others then it's doing quite well um but there's a a a native tree called a cheese tree which is growing in very close proximity, and it's also died. And I'm wondering if there's a fungal infection or if there's some sort of a viral infection that liliopolis are prone to that would cause this sort of behavior.
2: Look, not, not that I'm aware of as far as viral or fungal infections with lily pillies. That's, uh, you know, the one thing they're very, very resilient to. Yeah. Uh, the, the worst that they usually get are insect infestations. And when you're saying you've got, that, uh, you know, a limb dying off like that, like our last caller, Sean from Ellamore yeah. Vale, I know he was talking about a citrus tree. Yeah, um, I've done the search for the borers. The borers, yeah. And you, oh, there's no,
5: no holes, no, no anything. Right. Um, and it's just, it's just the branch slowly dies. Excuse me, That's right. and then and then it gradually spreads to other other branches, and and eventually um, you end up with sort of one a whole strip of the tree, and it gradually moves across the other branches of the tree, and then the whole thing dies.
2: Yeah. So look again, they yeah. They, as far as fungal disease or viral disease, there's nothing that I'm, I'm aware of. It usually is insect problems. They can get scale, but the way you're describing it, scale usually affects the you know the plant in its entirety, not just necessarily yeah. a, a single branch. And that's why I was going for the borer because down you know around the intersection of where the branch uh, you know goes into the main trunk, often yeah, you get a little, bit of, a little yeah, hole and a little bit of sawdust, fr- yeah, frass or something yep. coming out of that. Uh, look, the only thing I can suggest is. Uh, Uh, You know, to get a a general uh, insecticide like you know pyrethrum-based one and spray that over. Make sure there's no bees. Make sure that the plant's not in flower at the time, and give it a general spray there. Give it a good spray running down the trunks as well, just in case there are any holes. Uh, Look, uh, if those branches are dying, I would quite generally just prune those out and discard them as you know in the garbage bin if you can. Uh, Seal them up or, or bury them. Uh, i've
5: actually i've actually done that with the one that died it's got what i did is um and i'm sorry to take up so much time but um one branch died i cut it off mm-hmm. and um i coated the end of the cut so there was no yes, further infection you know, um another branch started to die so i chopped it off before it went any further and the same deal but i ended up losing the whole tree and it was maybe six or seven feet high right
2: Look, the other thing you can do, Bruce, is, look, I know out at Eli Barney, you've got a, uh, you know, a couple of good, uh, independent garden centres out there, people who know what they're yep. talking about. It might be worth, you know, if you're going to cut. Popping down to Cherry Road or. Yeah, and, yeah, go down there, take, uh, you know, one of those branches, uh, you know, maybe a part of the plant that's, you know, just starting to go off and uh-huh. let them have a look at it and see, uh, you know, if they can help you out with that.
5: Well, Scott, would it be worth giving it a spray with Megazip?
2: It, look, it's not going to hurt. If you've got yeah. some there, you might as well give it a crack. Uh, the only time that you get fungal diseases, usually on lily pillies, is when you get uh, sooty mould, which is a byproduct of the uh, scale insect that they get on them. So for it just to turn up by itself, and you and you notice sooty mould, it makes the plant actually go quite black, and and, and yeah, and you usually
5: can... end up with a stack of ants and things as well that yeah. give you a fair indication of what's going on.
2: That's there. So again, yeah, look, I'd uh, you know take a few pieces down there, let them have a, a look, you know, a physical inspection of it, and uh, just see if they can help you out with it.
5: Well, thanks very much for that, Scott. I'll do
2: that, okay. and oh. uh, yeah, enjoy your program. Okay, thanks very much, Bruce. Thank you. Cheers. Have a good Come one. On. and you A too. merry Christmas. And to you bye too. Bye bye. bye.
1: Thanks, Bruce. We've got Ross now from Macquarie Bay, and he's got some problems with his lawn. How can we help you with it, Ross? Yeah. Good afternoon. Um,
0: yeah, last year, I got a, started to get like little brown patches in a section of my lawn, and then over like several months, I lost you know, about fifteen square metres of grass went, you know, like brown and died. So I replaced that section and, and put the lawn line and stuff into the into the uh, dirt. But um, I've started to get it again this this summer.
2: Okay, uh, so when you get getting patches like that in your lawn, uh usually it's uh, going to be something called dollar spot, and mm-hmm. it's actually a fungal disease that uh, that lawns get uh, a little bit yep. unusual in that it hasn't been particularly humid yet, but I guess we are starting to get that way, and the fungal spores may well have been you know just dormant in your lawn since last year uh, yep. so you do need to treat that with a fungicide. Have you got anything at, at home mate uh, not that I'll be okay. well. aware. So, look, we were just talking about uh, Mankazeb Plus uh, is one that you can get, and it's a powder. You just mix it up uh, into the watering can and then just generally water it all over in the area. Uh, It doesn't sound, you know, you can get army grub and lawn grub and those sort of things at the moment, but still a bit early for them. I'm inclined to think it might be dollar spot. They start off as, uh, you know, little patches, um, you know, like a dollar coin almost, and they start to grow out from there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, actually I thought it was my dogs at first and, and just, you know, the acid in the urine on it but
2: then, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it grew and the ground it grew real quick. Yeah, so look what you're doing, uh, liming the the, uh, the grass as well and sweetening it up, that, that's always quite a clever thing to do uh, especially if you've got animals there that are urinating all over your lawn, so uh, putting mm-hmm. some lime in there will just, you know, counteract that somewhat. Uh, but, uh yeah, look, I, I would definitely go and get some of that Manca Z Plus and start using that. At least, uh, you know, that's getting, you know, out of the way. You know, if it isn't dollar spot, um, well, you know, it's not going to harm it by using Manka Z Plus. Right, I no don't you guys keep that in stock? Uh, yes, we certainly do. But uh, most independent garden signals have that as well.
0: No worries, I'll down
2: and Okay, thanks very much, Ross.
0: Thanks for okay. the help. Cheers. Cheers. Bye.
1: Bye-bye. It's wrapping up to the last show of the year, Scott, and you've got a few more things you'd like to mention with a Christmas break coming up. Yes I thought we'd talk about Christmas trees because uh, a lot of people have got live Christmas
2: trees inside you know the ones that are actually potted in a pot and still growing uh, and it's a very nice thing to have because you can just keep on keeping with them year after year because uh, I think we said last year uh, last week we were talking about how slow conifers actually are as, as a plant so yep. they're not going to you know take over the, the lounge room or anything like that within a year it's not like you know you put it outside and next year it's uh, you know 20 foot tall and you can't actually get it back inside yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah christmas tree is a really lovely thing to have but once they've been inside for a while you have to be a little bit careful about how you get them back outside in january or so right okay because if you you know you've been it's been inside it's been nice and protected you've been looking after it it's had an angel sitting up on the top of it well, uh Or a star. Or a star, either way. Uh, But if you stick it outside, back out into the full sun, well, it's not going to be a very happy Christmas tree because uh, the sun's going to hit it, it's going to get a little bit of stress, the angel won't be there to, you know, look after it anymore, and chances are it's going to drop all its needles and and die It's going to be a
1: hot sun too, so that's really going from one massive extremity to the other. So you have to be careful. When they're inside, you have to still water them, just, uh,
2: you know, very gently, maybe, uh, you know, once or twice a week. Just small amounts are better than giving it a big, large, um, you know, sort of guzzle of, of water. Yep. And then when you decide you're going to move it back outside, move it out onto a veranda that's uh, you know perhaps uh, facing the east, you know not onto a hot western veranda. And, uh, you know, maybe leave it there for a week, uh, you know, then gradually move it out somewhere where it's going to get a little bit more sun in the second week. I kept on watering it. Uh, you can start to water it a lot more once it's back outside and the airs, uh, the wind's blowing over it and drying it out. And then finally get it back out into the full sun after about the third week. So it's one of those sort of steps and stairs approach. You really have to, you know, slowly get it out into the, into the full sun. If you stick it out there uh, straight away, it's going to cark it on you. Right.
1: So... Step by gradually, gradually. Yep, a steps and stairs approach. I like to say, <laughs> how's that? Very good. A nice steps and stairs. Well, Scott, I think we've got time for one more call for the end of the year. Oh, lucky last. Who have we got? Last call of the year. We've got Ross from Salamander Bay, and he's got a question about the peach tree. You're lucky you got it in there, Ross. How can we? Uh, how can we help you? Yes, I good afternoon. name. Um, I got a peach tree, mate. It's, it's, it's
0: got hundreds and hundreds of peaches on it. Yep. Um, and a, a lot of us uh, have probably gone through a back and a half of peaches just falling off, whether mm-hmm. it's caused through the wind yes, or whatever, but i sprayed it with um, uh, quite often with Yates Success Ultra. hmm Now what's happened with that is that I'm flying now, I'm getting a few little black spots in it. mm
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, And also uh, I've been also spraying it with Eco Natural Bluer. Yes. And it's still falling off, and I'm still getting um, a few of these black spots on it, and just sort of, uh, just pure. Like, it's, just, it's just like if you bruise a fruit, like the bruise, if you're sort of that goes brown type of thing.
2: Yeah. So you, uh, have, you, have you cut one open yet, uh, Ross, to see what, yeah, if there's anything yes, inside?
0: Yes, I've had. I've, I've cut one open. and had had a couple of black spots, and that's fine. Yep. And sort of cut another one open, and there's
2: um, uh, like a bug inside that peach. Okay. Yep, okay. So, look, you've got the dreaded fruit fly there, unfortunately, mate. Uh, it sounds like you have been doing the right thing, trying to spray and uh, uh, trapping as well is important. Uh, fruit fly is really difficult to, to keep under control. Yeah, sorry, you have I've got two of those traps. Excellent, okay, yeah. So, look, unfortunately, that's about the only thing you can do. Peaches are especially uh, susceptible because they've got that (laughs) lovely soft skin uh, and, you know, they just have this smell for some reason. The fruit fly just come from miles around to them. Uh, So, again, you know, just general spraying, uh, you know, trapping like you are. The other thing uh, to do, I think we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago, you can get uh, Vegemite. Uh, and uh, a little bit of malathon, it's an insecticide, and mix it up into a paste and put it into a a plastic takeaway container and put some holes into that container and uh, hang it up in the tree in areas and the fruit fly will be attracted into that to feed off the uh, Vegemite and, of course, in there is the malathon and that'll uh, that'll do them in for you. Uh, So, So yes, I'm sorry. That's all right. So I was just going to say, look, it's a multi-pronged approach. Uh, You have to spray, you have to trap and uh, you just keep your fingers crossed. So three things you've got to do.
0: What sort of ratio is it? Is it sort of through is it uh one to one to three
2: or one to four or Look it's you don't want a sort of a sloppy thing in there, you don't want it so it's still quite uh, you know, hard and stiff. It's just so it's a nice sort of consistent pace. Not like a pace.
0: Oh, okay, yeah. So how often the, the, the I've been watering it probably once a week. I've been watering it uh three times a week when it first started yep. flowering. yeah. And since it's been fruiting, I've been, I've been
2: sort of watering it at once a week. Is that, is that quite enough for it? Or? Uh, look, again, when, when a plant's fruiting like that, it is you know, sucking up quite a lot of moisture because it's putting that into the fruit. So when you bite, bite into that uh, peach, it's nice and juicy. Uh, so yep. just keep the watering up on it, mate. Once a week? Yeah, once a week. i would do it probably twice a week like you were before. Oh, okay. So I
0: usually water about half an hour with
2: a the, with the probe, the probe, the probe Yeah, i will do it. Yeah, I'll, I'll do it a couple of times a week. Okay, thanks no, for that, well, Ross. Cheers. Thanks, thanks very much indeed. Okay. Have, you, have, a good, have, a good, have a good Christmas.
1: You too, mate. Thank you. Thanks, Sorry. Ross. Last caller for 2017. There he goes. Ross from Salamander Bay. Good on him. Scott Sharp, we're out of time. We are out of time. That's all for this year. Yep. A Merry Christmas to you a too. Merry Christmas to you and a Happy New Year. Uh, absolutely. And try and keep away from the mistletoe. Oh, I've got to get under that. <laughs> need, need a bit of that. <laughs> Scott Sharp, I'll leave you there for <laughs> this year.
2: Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle.